following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our reading is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 to the end. Now we ask you, brother and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. And before Andrew comes up to speak, we're just going to pray for him. Lord, I pray um, that you will speak through Andrew this evening, that it can be your words that we hear through him. May they fall on ears ready to hear. Amen. Well, we're getting to the end of uh, this letter that we've been engaged in for the last few weeks. I don't know if you have been with us throughout. Uh, Probably a bit ambitious to to think that. Or if you're just here today. Um, But let's just... Remember that this letter is written because we're, we're, we've come to the end and we've just got a kind of a paragraph and it just comes at you just like that. And, uh, and I just think it's a kind of, a, if it's the first time, it's a little bit kind of confusing. So I'm just going to um, go back a little bit. The, the letter was written by when Paul had been through a time when he'd been worried about these people, the Thessalonians. They were a young fellowship He'd not been with them for very long. And they'd, had faith, they'd faced an awful lot of opposition. There was a strong cult of emperor worship in Thessalonica. And the culture of this busy, strategic city was alien to the small group of Jesus followers. But the letter tells us that Paul had just received good news about the Thessalonians. 
He'd not heard anything about them for a long time. And then Timothy had just come back from a visit to Thessalonica with up-to-date news of how things were, which had been a tremendous relief to him. Some of it was very encouraging. Some things were a little bit disturbing. But this is a letter that's overflowing with concern. It's overflowing with passion, excitement, and encouragement. And that's one of the things, I think, that, uh, that will come out through this evening. Now, how do you end a letter like this? Well, here we've got it. The Bible I'm using, the one that most of you will have, uh, the NIV, um, it says final instructions. And um, to me, that seems a very, very flat kind of way of describing what this is. But anyway, that's not part of the text. And to me, it's better to think of the whole letter as flowing on from beginning to end, uh, without any headings. Right at the very end, there is a little instruction, and it's a very strong instruction, although quite short. In verse 27, um, Paul says, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. Have this letter read to everyone. So the impact is going to be most powerful if you read it or hear it read from start to finish. So that you don't just hear this reading on its own as kind of a bit of moral pressure, but as a final word of strong encouragement towards hope and holiness, which is of course the kind of theme that we've had overall through this series. And these words come to a community. And here we are sitting here as a community of God's people. There are different people listening to this letter. You can just imagine it sitting in maybe somebody's big house, I don't know, in Thessalonica. Different people are listening, just as people, different people are listening this evening. And we're all different here tonight. Everyone will respond in different ways to the different things that are being said. Some of them would have been leaders appointed as elders in the church but still because it was quite a young church perhaps still finding their way they may see things happening in church that might have been wrong or hard uh, and then they had to say something about it to kind of correct and challenge things that were going on maybe they put some people's backs up who knows it can happen and they might feel the stress and the burden of leadership in this context with the unknowns, the persecutions, the struggles, the opposition and so on. They might have felt that pressure of opposition and persecution right at the start. Some of them have been arrested. If you remember back in Acts chapter 17 when Paul was first there, Paul and his friends were first there, some of them have been arrested. Now, I can just imagine, you know, just an ordinary person ending, ending up in front of the, uh, the authorities just because of all these things that are going on. They might have felt got at and unfairly treated. All these kinds of things could have been going on in the background, in their lives. These were the people who were listening here. Some of them, there were leaders, but some of them might have been others enthusiastic, excited new converts, reacting to the powerful message of the good news. Jesus is for us. 
Jesus is coming back. It's all wonderful. Life has a new meaning. Problems will all dissolve. Opposition will disappear. I don't have a job or a steady income, but never mind, that doesn't matter. We're all family. It'll all work out. That might be another attitude that some had. Or they could have been others. Grieving. Being a Christian wasn't the magic solution to all their problems. Still have to make choices. Still have to face harsh looks, words from people who think we're stupid or dissident troublemakers. It's not easy. And then people still get ill and die. Yeah, I'm still part of this church, this fellowship, but maybe I'm just going to kind of sit at the back and keep quiet a bit. Well, there might have been others. We should be getting out more. We must be sharing more. God is telling us to be different, but others don't seem to get it. They're not listening to God's spirit. Or there might have been another person who might have said, Grace. Grace is great. The old rules are out of date. This is a new world, a new faith, new ideas. We do things differently. So lots of different possible reactions, different people with different approaches to their, their faith. But a community. And Paul and Silas and Timothy, because Silas and Timothy are also part of the of the, those who are addressing uh, the people in this letter, they're speaking to all of them. And because it's a community, it's a family, a lot of these short, very urgent words in these last verses are directed to working on relationships, working on the relationships within the church so that the church can be what it is called to be, holy and hopeful. So, in verse 27 it says, as I said before, I charge you before the Lord to have this read to all, is what Paul says. Very strong. But some parts apply to some more than others. So people can, so everybody can overhear what may be addressed to others. And everybody can benefit if they're prepared to listen and apply. And we too, while we're sitting here, can overhear and listen and apply. So one of the first things that I notice is the, is the respect, the word about respect for those in leadership. Paul doesn't use modern management or leadership language. And there isn't kind of heavy authority and obedience language either. But it's more about respect, acknowledgement of the responsibilities of leaders who work hard to keep the show on the road, as it were. And, um, and sometimes they have a hard job. And Paul is saying we're all in this together and we need to respect our leadership. We need to be at peace with one another. We need to be patient 
with one another. In fact, there's quite a lot of one anothering in Paul's teaching to the churches in this book, in this letter, and also in other places. And that's what, that's what a community needs to learn. That's what the community needs to kind of get used to, that there's a whole lot of working with one another, one anothering, as I call it. One of the other letters of Paul speaks about not looking all the time to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Looking out for anyone who is ignored or isolated, or it may be in the need of a friend, or uh, maybe wanting a, a word, or a, just a patient listen. Be patient with everyone, says Paul here. And another thing, how far are we alert to what God might be saying to us through someone else? So don't quench the spirit, he says. God's at work in the fellowship in many different ways, not just through our favorite preacher, not just through a favorite Bible passage or a favorite worship song. We can quench the spirit in all sorts of ways with our fears, our prejudices, our rationalizations, our obsessions, or distractions. But we need to listen to one another with discernment. And there's a call here for good judgment. We're listening to respond to the Spirit. And then, in the middle of these challenge, this challenge to communal care and responsibility, there is another, suddenly a very special and a very personal challenge in verses 16 to 18, which is the one that we've been kind of focusing on in, in some of our singing, the, the focus on rejoicing, on praying, on thanksgiving. And it's really, really important. It kind of comes out as a, as a kind of a core thing, a core address to people right in the very, very middle. And this is not, this is not I, it seems to me, just a command. It's not a law which all of us fail to keep in some way or other. It's a goal. It's an encouragement. It's a, it's a motivator to move us forward in, in Christ. It's not just about our feelings either. When we talk about, you know, hear somebody saying, rejoice. You think, oh, well, yeah, but I can't just rejoice like that. But it's not, it's not about feelings. It's about an attitude and it's about approach. It's about the way that we think of God. It's not about how we're feeling at any one particular time. Otherwise, you can't just say rejoice to somebody when they're feeling in a particular way because feelings don't respond to that kind of thing anyway. So it's not about our emotional response. It's as we learn to rejoice, as it were, a, a discipline of rejoicing in God and praying and giving thanks, learning to live in the presence of God, lifting our hearts to God in that presence so we will be enabled to face the things that face us each day. I remember uh, somebody was saying, when I'm talking about praying to somebody or other uh, um, a little while ago, and I was kind of struggling a bit, and he said, well, I've got a, I've got a kind of um, 
catechism or something like that, which says, well, prayer is just lifting your heart to God. And I felt that really helpful. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not a kind of a thing about what we do at a particular time or when we do things and so on. It's just the way that we can lift our hearts to God. And I think this whole thing about rejoicing, praying unceasingly, is something that we can learn to, learn to do as we live in the presence of God, as we learn to live recognizing that God is there everywhere, in everything, in, in all the surrounding us, as it were. And, um, and that we can lift our hearts to God at any time and in any circumstance. So then we can face, in that context, we can, we can face hostility, we can face failure, we can face the pressures, pressures of, um, of living in, in community where not everything always goes well. We can open ourselves up to what God wants to do in our lives and through us to bless God's church in the place where God has placed us. I said at the very start that the ending should be heard, the ending of the letter should be heard in the light of the whole letter. I don't think the final instructions that we have here are bullet points on tables of stone and they're not kind of PowerPoint slides either. They are they are based on everything that has gone before in the letter. And if you have read the letter, one of the, some of the phrases that I'm just going to say are things which come earlier on in the letter, which are things on which I think Paul is basing the things that he is saying. Because these things are all, all these instructions are spoken to people who have turned to God to serve God and to wait for his son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. They were already people who had heard the gospel of Jesus as the word of God at work in them as God calls them to his kingdom and glory. The death and the resurrection of Jesus is the ground of their hope and the pattern of for their life. It's mentioned, the death and resurrection of Jesus is mentioned quite at quite three quite significant points in the letter, including just the verse or two before the, the reading that we read today. And it's the model, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the model over against the control of the cult of the emperor and the values of the pagan world. That is the, the model for the, for the Christian life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He died for us and we live in him. We live, if you like, in the shadow of the cross and the resurrection. God's work in their lives is to make them different. The old Bible word is sanctification and holiness, but it means different being different. Not weird, not necessarily peculiar, though some of us, well. But in time, it's uh, with God, living with God, growing with God, being in tune with God, who is our creator and the renewer of the world. But that can be quite scary, the thought of all these, these challenges facing us. 
how we live, how do we live different lives, how we face up to the differences and so on. And if you're afraid of being different in the face of the pressures of the age, wondering if you, we, I, if we're up to it, or if we can be faithful in it all, don't be afraid. One of Paul's great one-liners is this. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.